Dear fans of the Philadelphia 76ers, we, the fans of the Minnesota Timberwolves, would like to wish you the best after this week's trade between our two favorite teams. Have any two franchises met each other as frequently in the lottery as we have in the past decade? Remember when we drafted Carl Anthony Towns first in 2015, and you drafted Jaleel Okafor in the th- with the third pick? Or when our young Andrew Wiggins was drafted first, and you selected his college pal, Joel Embiid, two picks later? We've been through a lot together, which makes your group of long-suffering fans easy to root for. We hope you enjoy the roller coaster adventure of watching Jimmy G. Buckets III play for your favorite team, revel in his funny and antagonistic post-game interviews, marvel at his sense of style as he arrives at the arena before every game, savor the moments when he takes complete control of a game. We understand the stress of cheering for a win-now team and the deadline that Jimmy places on a team's window for contention. You can cry on our shoulders when you realize his fourth quarter heroics only apply for the first 10 minutes of the quarter. When he mentally destroys young Markel Fultz, we will be there with you, spiritually, nodding our heads in condolence. We promise to take care of Robert Rocco Covington and Dario the homie Sharich. Cat already bought Rocco a nice warm winter coat. We'll appreciate them for their unselfish play and hustle and celebrate the absence of toxicity that they bring to our clubhouse. You are welcome to come to the beautiful Twin Cities anytime to enjoy them. Best of luck in this year's playoffs. Don't think too much about Jimmy's knees. Sincerely, the fans of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Welcome to episode 91 of Wolves Cast, the show that would never trade you without at least getting back multiple first-round picks. It's hosted by myself and my on-again, off-again friend. I'm Scott. I'm Robert. That's right. You can call him Robert. Rob Covington doesn't want that. Yep. It's all... It's been cleared up for me. I'm going to go back and capture the sound. There's a great sound drop of Jim Pete saying, don't call me Robert. (laughs) I'm just going to play that whenever you're on here. I'll be anticipating that. It's okay to call you Robert, though. Robert with an H, he is back (laughs) third week in a row, having him as my guest host. It's great to have you back, Robert. Well, thanks for having me back. It keeps getting better and better, Scott. We would like to welcome our newly thawed listeners who used Frozen Fan. You may remember Frozen Fan from earlier this season. Mm. It's a sponsor last year that would let you freeze yourself so that you could be thawed out right when opening day started. That way you didn't have to wait through the offseason. But then we had an extended the offer to fans who wanted to freeze right. themselves until the Butler drama was over. Yeah, that so was very generous of To you. our recently thawed fans, you saw the Wolves are 2-0, to your knowledge, because you have just <laughs> been thawed out. And Hottest well, team in the league. That's right. Welcome back from the cold. Uh, before we do anything tonight, first, I want to tell you about some shirts. We have a cool new shirt that's got the kind of city edition design, the black shirt, lawn sleeve shirt with a tree, the tree logos on the sleeves, a cool little wolves cast and that 90s graffiti font that the wolves used. Awesome. Uh, you can find it at wolvescast, uh, click on store, wolvescast.com, click on the store and use the promo code Jimmy Jam. To get yourself, I don't know what it is, $5 off? I think it's $5 off. And this will, fi- having Jimmy Buckets off the Timberwolves will finally resolve that Jimmy Jam does not refer to Jimmy Butler. That's right. Refers to the producer Jimmy Jam. Yes. And KG Confidant. Yep, that's correct. A lot of great stories. I read a great article about him just telling KG stories a couple <laughs> years back. It was really good. Oh, like man. how he would take Janet Jackson's new album over to his place before he would even come out and they'd sit there and listen to it together in KG's house. Man, to be a fly on that wall. I wish. 
Um, so check that out, everybody, especially now that it's getting colder. You want that lawn sleeve shirt. It looks really good if you wear it underneath the City Edition jersey. Um, I want to also uh, shout out your podcast, Robert. You have oh. one. It's called Kings of the North. It's a very funny football podcast about the NFC North. Uh, you all have characters that you portray on the That's podcast, right. and uh, it's kind of like a silly kind of send up of NFL culture, but also done by people who love the NFL. And uh, it, it's uh, funnier than this podcast, I'll say. It's got me, it's one wow. of the few podcasts that make me laugh out loud every week. They've got a lot of fun segments. Last week we took one from the show, and this week we're going to do it again. Robert, Ooh. let's go to the bar. Ooh, let's. So I got this the other night. On, Go to the when they go to the bar on your podcast. Mm-hmm. It, it is a way of uh, members to assign each other drinks and explain the reasoning behind it. Tonight, I have us a bottle of ale from Perennial Artisan Ales. Uh, it mm-hmm. is a milk stout brewed with coconut. It's called Fantastic Voyage, and I, <laughs> I picked Fantastic Voyage for tonight's pod because I think that I want to wish Jimmy Butler a fantastic voyage. Yeah. I am ready for the fantastic Bon voyage. voyage. That's right. Bon voyage. I'm ready for the fantastic voyage with our new team members. And also, I want to remember the Jimmy Butler era fondly. It was a fantastic yeah. voyage. Yeah, yeah. This is um this is kind of like one of those those relationships that takes a sudden downturn and once kind of the dust is settled, you kind of realize that hey, you 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 want them you want the best for them. You want both parties to Go in their separate directions, but you know, no hard feelings now that it's over. And also, a milk stout brewed with coconut. Jimmy Butler is nothing if not stout and a little yes. cocoa nuts. <laughs> he's nuts and he's stout. So I thought it'd be a good good fit. Very appropriate. That's how the trip to the bar works, everybody. We're going to talk a lot about the Jimmy Butler trade, the Jimmy Butler era on this week's pod. We're going to recap first the week of games. We had a uh, winning week, which is always fun. Yeah. Uh, we have the final installment of our weekly soap opera, As the Wolf Howls. We got Full Court Press. We have a sponsor, of course, that we're excited to tell you about. We are going to rank our favorite memories of the Jimmy Butler era. <laughs> and, of course, as always, we have our weekly Wolfies, and we're going to close the show with a game. So... Thank you for joining us. Strap in, sit back, and enjoy the next 40 minutes of audio in your ears. It's going to be a good time to, you know, just appreciate. Not Buckle thinking in. about think, Don't think about your other stresses. Just think about Wolf's Cast. That's right. It's, a, it's an, a, one of those relaxation pods. Yes. <sighs> I feel relaxed. I, I had an idea for a podcast several years ago that it was just going to be called Everything is Okay Podcast, and it's just somebody mm. whispering everything is okay for about 40 minutes. Everything's okay. Wolves fans could definitely okay. could definitely use that okay. the last two months or so. Everything's so. okay. I think it'd be relaxing. Uh, someone else can take that idea. Once I've sat on an idea for five years, you can just have it because yeah. I'm not going to do it. The intellectual property laws, are That's right. they don't apply to this. Well, that brings us to this week's recap. Let's go ahead and do it. A two-in-one week could have easily been three-and-oh uh, without that tragedy in Sacramento. Mm. Hey, can we speak? Was it a tragedy, though? Well, that's a great point, Robert, uh, because if we had won in Sacramento, Jimmy might still be on this team. Yeah. This that's is what the breaking about. point. The 0 and 5 road trip. We finished it off with a loss at Sacramento, a loss that was so bad, apparently Glenn <laughs> Taylor said, We cannot play another single game with Jimmy Butler on this team. Yeah. And I think uh, Jimmy was going to be happy to, uh, to happy to accommodate that. And it, I don't know if it was. If it was Taylor or if it was Tibbs, but it is kind of laughable that it's like 
it it took this long for them to realize that we can't take any more losing to the yeah losing to the kings is like okay this is the final straw even after all of the nonsense that jimmy had put the team through and that that tibbs had you know stood by his side for so long it it is just sort of comical that it's like everyone else was like how can they let this happen how have they not finally uh finally found a deal for him the only thing that seemingly snaps tibbs out of that denial is a loss to sacramento yes in their home building yes that was the that was the aha moment i guess the come to jesus moment for tibbs where he finally uh finally decided to you know pull the trigger on a deal or maybe this deal with philadelphia didn't really materialize and kind of take uh take shape until that moment and it was just kind of a convergence of those things it could but be what i've heard and also this you know as funny as it is to think that losing to the canes is the step that puts us over the line yeah. i think that also jimmy the reports have come out said at halftime which is always a fun time to <laughs> bring a distraction about at halftime sure. of this game jimmy announced that he, this is the last game he was going to be playing with the timberwolves and implying that he would refuse to suit up for all future games so maybe that is the final push that we needed there is maybe kind it of is a loss to sacramento but whatever happened apparently the timberwolves contacted the other teams we've been chatting with and said get your best offer in by saturday we will pick the best offer on yeah, saturday. like tibbs had like a coaches only meeting or something after after the loss i am kind of curious as to what that would have looked like there's kind of a like a masochistic part of me that wanted to see like just how far Jimmy would have taken it. And uh, the idea that he would just say, Nope, not playing at all. I guess, you know, the general soreness for the rest of the rest of the year. Tibbs versus Jimmy was kind of an immovable for, or what is it? A movable object versus another immovable object. Yeah. Just two stubborn dudes who weren't going to back down against the immovable object. Yeah. But these are just both immovable objects. Neither of them are unstoppable horses. Both stubborn. Both stubborn. And I guess we finally got the answer. Who's more stubborn? It's Jimmy. Jimmy was uh, Tom Thibodeau cracked first, you know, players league, man. I mean, and maybe Glenn Taylor, uh, it's the one who also uh, made that happen. Maybe if we had just left Tibbs up to his own devices, this would have gone all the season. Yeah, I mean, I've I've kind of talked about how I'm not a fan of Tom Thibodeau and how he's probably not the right guy for this team moving forward. So part of me does hope that Tibbs would have just wanted to keep going and going and going and that it was Taylor who eventually had to step in just for the sake of if there is success for the team now. I don't want any of it to be attributed to tips because we know how glacially slow Glenn Taylor is to change these things and to make drastic changes. And if they were to, you know, get rid of Tibbs and make a coaching change, you know, it it would be a very bad, it'd be a, a weird kind of silver lining to this season. If, if the team had success and Taylor was like, okay, well, Tibbs, you're going to stick around another year because you seem to that is seem the problem. A, uh, I seem mean, to have a good grip of these guys now. I think it was on the Rainer podcast. I don't know. I listen to so many podcasts. Uh, I listened to a podcast where they were saying, are these guys going to want to play and make Tom Thibodeau look good? You know, because there's obviously yeah. a, a, not a good relationship between Tibbs and the star players on this team, and they're asking, are these guys even going to show up and, and try hard for a guy they don't want to make look good? And so far through two games without him, it looks like the team's showing up, which is good. Yeah. And, uh, you just know, I that, don't know. If we, if we make the playoffs. see it's in spite of Tibbs. The thing, though, is like the rumor was last offseason that if we didn't make the playoffs, Tibbs was going to be demoted or cut altogether. Right. And then the expectation this year was to make it to the second round. So even when we make <laughs> the playoffs. Good luck with that. 
Maybe we can still cut this. Because if you do sneak in, I mean... No, that's a buzzsaw in the first round, of course. But, yeah, uh, no doubt. Still, it would be something to make that with this team. But, uh, yeah, it is an odd thing about how much do we want this team to succeed. One thing I will say about the Sacramento game, at least it was like the kind of the the renaissance of Carl Anthony Towns. Yes, 39 points. And he put points, up a monster game, and that kind of... 19 that rebounds. streak continued throughout the week where he was just a man possessed. Yep, he might be in line for a Player of the Week award. We'll see. Yes. Win versus Brooklyn on Monday at home, 120-113. to 113. Cat had 25 points, 21 rebounds, also 10 turnovers, but hey, you know. Triple-double. Yeah, triple-double. First time Cat's uh, had 10 turnovers I think Jim Pete was saying that was the first time in Wolves history that somebody had a 10 turnover triple-double. Wow. <laughs> Making history. Yeah, that's that's pretty out there, uh, but he would know, I guess. He's got Swanee in the truck. Yes, he does. I <laughs> love when he goes to Swanee. Swanee. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a fun game. Uh, Derek Rose shot pretty well. A lot of turnovers, 23 turnovers. Yeah. I think Ben said game. on the broadcast the other night that uh, it's like the seventh time in Wolves history we, we've won by when well, we've turned it over 23 times or more. Yeah, it's just so a it's weird game, especially with the Levert thing happening. And yeah, the, right before the halftime, too. It really sucked yeah. out the air of the arena with the, the Timberwolves in a prayer circle. Yeah. You know Anthony Tolliver did that. He's a yes, pious he man. Yes, he Anthony did. He led, the, he led the prayer. Good for him. God bless him. Ah, absolutely. I think God does bless him because sure of it. He, is, uh, he is a pious man. Um, so moving on to Wednesday night, this was the debut. Yeah, Brooklyn, we were a little shorthanded. We didn't have the players we traded for. Wednesday night, they made their debut uh, against the Pelicans, who have been doing pretty good this season and have a uh, top three MVP candidate in the season, and Anthony mm-hmm. Davis. He's destroying the league. And uh, as Anthony Davis goes, the Pelicans usually go as well. Uh, we beat them 107 to 100, making it five straight times Cat has beat Anthony Davis. Yeah, that how was about a, that. That was That's... a matchup early in his career we used to talk about on the pod a lot because Boogie and Anthony Davis would go really hard at Cat every mm-hmm. time they played because they were like, oh, Cat's getting all this best Kentucky big man praise early yeah. in his career. So we're really going to just make him look like trash whenever we play him. And so for five straight times for Cat to come out on top of Anthony Davis, that's pretty nice. Something you're going to be seeing for the next, you know dozen years or whatever it might be so that's until we sign Anthony Davis yeah it's always a cool subplot all these Kentucky guys there's so many matchups there's so many Kentucky guys out there that you can actually break it down into like center versus center Kentucky matchups and then there's like uh, Kentucky point guard matchups Mm -hmm. you know absolutely it's a it's a pretty cool thing that they're such a juggernaut then they just are a feeder system into the NBA that it's a Every year. these like all these mini rivalries that every couple games you get like you know Kentucky on Kentucky guys. Yeah, I love it because they they try harder. You can tell. Yeah, I also think the matchup between Cat and Anthony Davis is special because Anthony Davis is the best big man in the league. He mm-hmm. can do everything, and I think that's kind of what everyone's always hoped Cat would reach is an Anthony Davis kind of level. And I think that the idea would be Anthony Davis but healthier. You know, mm-hmm. so I mean he's still got a ways to go on defense. Obviously, to get to that AD's a monster on defense, but uh, it's that's well, another reason why it's fun to watch those two guys compete against each other uh cat had his third good game in a row 25 points 16 rebounds covington played 41 minutes in his timberwolves debut welcome to tom thibodeau i don't know if it was just because he hadn't played in he hadn't played in like four or five days or something like that because trey gets announced on saturday and then they he doesn't play on monday Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what emboldens Thibodeau to do stuff like this to a guy in his first game. Well, he, he just plays doesn't care. 41. And it's, the frustrating thing, though, is like, it's like, well, he played well, so I can get that. But like, Okogi only got 17 minutes. 
He was playing great. Too. He was playing great. And so, uh, you know, I just think that that's going to be something to watch. I think Tibbs found his new favorite mi- minutes dumping bet in ground on Covington. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> I wonder what guys think about uh, when they come to the Wolves and they, they're they like, man, I better gear up. If Tibbs yeah. likes me, I'm going to be on the floor yeah. for like I mean, that's gotta be the 35 reputation. plus minutes average. Uh, Andrew, Andrew Wiggins had a great game, 23 points, six boards, two assists. He had some steals and some blocks. Just really aggressive all game, too. Man, and like his third dunk of yeah, the year. Yeah, third dunk of so... the year. And kicked near Nikola Mirotic and the family jewels while yes. doing it, which is the, just the most humiliating way to give up an and one is to get kicked in the junk and get posterized and yep. have to and get up a foul. And get a foul called on you. Yeah. I think later like, on the game, he was like, he was out of it. He had to get like medical attention or yeah, something. Yeah, he was like the laying sideline. by the bench. Yeah, which, you know, I don't blame him, man. It hurts. No. I feel, a, I feel for him. I would never want to just feel the full force of someone dunking off my nuts. So, um, that could be the episode title, Neil, Dunking Off My Nuts. Um, mm. uh, yeah, so Wiggins looked great. Teague, 14 points, 14 assists. He was looking very bold. They were all playing with like this kind of energy where it was like, you know, you don't have to worry about uh, the teacher watching you kind of anymore. Yeah, it's like yeah, you don't exactly. have to worry about being judged by Jimmy Butler for the way we play. So we're just going to play super free and uh, be aggressive and, you know, so keep the ball like fizzing smiles around. And oh, it was the first time this season that I've seen this team have fun in a game. They were having fun. Yeah. I had fun, too. I think the only other game where they had that kind of energy was down the stretch of... Uh, Derek Rose's fifty-point yeah. game. Yep, you know where there was the joy and like, oh, yeah. the sense of they team. mobbed him in the clubhouse afterwards. Yeah, yeah, definitely. yeah. And man, is that fun? You know, yeah. basketball can be fun. And I also think this kind of brings us back to a time when it's like, when things were going right last year. I got really excited when good teams came to town because it's like we get to test ourselves against this good yes. team, and, and like this is going to be a battle, and like. A lot of times in these seasons where they're lost seasons, wins, individual wins and losses don't matter. So it's just kind of, you know, we're not used to that as fans of being like, this game matters and getting up for a game and stuff. Yeah, and and so now I felt excited like that. Some again. of like the greatest moments are when somebody does something on your team and then you get the reaction from the rest of the team. Like I think back like last year when uh, Tyus dunked on LeBron. Oh, yeah. And just how nuts the bench went. Highlight moment. And it, it just makes it so much better when you can tell that the team is kind of, uh, they're rooting for each other and they're not afraid to show it. And with Jimmy around, that just wasn't there. And it seemed like this, uh, that game against the Pelicans was kind of a return to that kind of, uh, that supportive environment that had been absent for so long. And yeah, you're right. It was like all of a sudden the the teacher or like the, the bully or whatever. Was, right. It was like that day, like if you ever had like a bully in your gym class and he always ruined it, then one day he was sick. Yeah. And you could just go in and all of a sudden you felt like so Absolutely. that anxiety wasn't there anymore. Um, I wrote down that if the Wolves play with this kind of heart every night, they'll be a very easy team to love. Yes. I don't know if they're going to yes. be a winning team or whatever, but if they play with that kind of heart and hustle – Everyone in Minnesota is going to love this team. Yeah, but Rocco was getting the crowd going. Oh, yeah. That was, and the Philly guys, never, they, they were the keeping the ball year. moving. You know, They yes. brought an energy and kind of a freeness and free-flowing passing style that was infectious to the other players. But you could see the way they were moving the ball. The other players started moving the ball, too. And there's some really great mm-hmm. possessions where it was pass, 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 pass. This guy's open, you know. And that never happened. It never happened. In the fourth quarter so, when Jimmy was on the team. Yeah, uh, just a blast <clears throat> to play. A um, couple questions before we move on from this game. Andrew Wiggins obviously stepped up last night. Uh, you could tell that he, he's 
got the message that it's him and Cat's team now, and he mm-hmm. needs to show up. My question Took is nine threes. Yeah, and he made one that was like a twenty-eight footer. He made yeah, one that no was hesitation. several steps behind. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. Um, so that was uh, encouraging. But I wonder, do you think Wiggins would have had the same heroics if Derrick Rose played last night? Because no. Rose Rose was taking the ball out of his hand a bunch of times. I don't know if Andrew would have played as engaged if Rose was on the floor. You know, with his like twenty percent usage. I'm, yeah, I mean, we've talked about how the. Derrick Rose resurgence has been kind of a silver lining because it does take the ball out of the hands of the guys that are going to be here well beyond, you know, this next year. It'll be something worth keeping an eye on to see if Rose makes Wiggins uh, shrink a little bit again. Because when Wiggins is going hard, it really is like this is the prince that was promised, you know? Yeah. And that seems to these other Wiggins is such like a, a shy guy, especially on the on the floor that when he does get going, the rest of the team is oh, yeah. the, are the ones that are, you know, getting his energy up, and it seems Taj to Gibson galvanize was, the whole team. Taj Gibson was so psyched after that Wiggins dunk. He oh. hit Wiggins in the head really hard after yes. that. He was so happy. Yeah. Um, he, above anyone else, it seems like his guys are rooting for him. Yeah, absolutely. Love Taj. Um, finally, uh, I would be remiss if we didn't mention Drew Holiday's headband. Yes. It's a very weird headband. It's the only headband I've seen in the league where it's like tied and behind. He looks like a Street Fighter character because it's like it's got awesome. a knot and tied in the back. And I love it. It looks great. But I just wonder, like, if he's allowed to have a headband like that, why don't more guys have different headbands like that? I Maybe thought, he's going to be the, the... We're seeing a lot of guys wear headbands this year. Uh, Kyrie did. I think he stopped recently. Uh, Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles. Uh, we saw Clay wear it for yeah, that one Yeah, headband game. Clay. But those are all normal headbands. LeBron it's, is wearing his headband again. Oh, yeah. Didn't return, he, yeah. The return of the headband. But all of those are regulation headbands. You got to feel, feel... I just feel like what Drew Holiday's doing must not be regulation, but he's doing it. I don't understand. If anyone knows... About Drew I hope Holiday's it's regulation, head, please. I love that the NBA has loosened up on that stuff, like shoe colors. Oh yeah, and... it's been terrific. I've been loving the purple shoes the Wolves have been rocking this yeah. season. So, although they did uh, tell J.R. Smith that he had to cover up his Supreme tattoo. <laughs> yeah, and Lonzo had to cover up the Big Baller brand tattoo. Oh yeah, that's so. that's where they draw the line. Well, like I always joked around, like that's the NBA. Like it's like when they banned Jordan from wearing the Nikes, and then Jordan wore right. them anyways, and Nike paid the fine. Like, <laughs> way to make a product way cooler. What do you do to make a product cooler? Ban it. Say it's illegal. Say you're That's not allowed right. to wear it. And then when you wear it, it makes it all the cooler thing. So, That's exactly you know, right. Once again, the NBA is doing supreme with some favors there is what I think. Well, that's going to do it for this week's recap. Uh, let's go ahead and recap the drama in our final installment of As the Wolf Howls. As the wolf howls. That's right. This soap opera has been keeping you captivated. The drama, the ups and the downs, the crazy storylines that you couldn't have predicted. Even if you wrote it down, people would have thought you were crazy. On this week's final season conclusion, hopefully series conclusion of As the Wolf Howls, we we saw Jimmy G. Bucket's evil twin, Jimmy Butler, finally exited the show by faking his death in Sacramento. He can now be found on a competing soap opera called General Soreness Hospital. Glenn Taylor, whose character has been comatose all season, made a miraculous recovery in time to save the company that was being hostily taken over by his arch nemesis, Thomas Thibodeau III. Is this episode canon, or is it a weekly alternate dimension episode, a wacky alternate alternate dimension episode that's being used to goose ratings for Sweeps Week? 
Wow. This is the drama. The drama, we kind of talked about wow. a little bit. The drama, Jimmy at halftime of the Sacramento game, being like, this is it, guys. This is the last <laughs> time I'm playing a game with you suckers. Man. The drama of the Wolves telling the rest of the teams, give us your best offer by Saturday, and we'll pick one of them. It has been riveting, riveting television. Yeah, absolutely. As the Wolf Howls has been, I don't know where it's going. Well, there, you know, the it's weird to see all the news stories about Jimmy going. Like, it just shows you how much the Sixers are in a major market compared to the Wolves. Because I've read like 200 articles about Jimmy and the Sixers' perspective, and like five about the Jim Wolves. Yeah, you know, all local. Yeah, every, all the podcasts. Everyone's talking about what does Jimmy mean for the Sixers, and no one's talking about what did Dario and Rocco mean for the Wolves. You know, yeah, it's an after whatever, we whatever. Get, we get it. Get used we're to used it. To it. No, There's we're certain pride that you can take in being kind of the. Being the sleeper team. That's right. Now, you know? Yeah. If After we, all that national press about how embarrassing the team was, you know, I'm happy to just sort of be in the, be away from the spotlight for a little bit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, hopefully we can just have normal basketball. We can talk about basketball again. Yes. For the next few weeks instead of the soap opera stuff, um, which will be refreshing, I think, for this fan base and for, especially for the people covering it. Man, I read an Reddit Ask Me Anything with John Krasinski mm-hmm. the, the other day. And that's one relief, dude. He is so yeah. happy that this drama is over. Um, so um, I'm looking forward to that. We're getting to a different show now, not a soap opera. It's going to be, you know. A sports show. A sports show. Yeah, imagine that. So yeah. um, I don't know. So there's some more, still going to be some drama with Glenn and Tibbs, I think. Do you think these uh, these local sports guys who actually kind of get the scoops are relieved by it? or cause I imagine that some of like, just thinking about like Twitter, like some of these, like uh, some of these updates or scoops that like Krasinski or Doogie or whatever got, those are probably some of his most viewed tweets that he's ever had. That's so true. There's I a think, certain exposure I think on, that comes. On one with hand, it. yes, it's good the exposure, but I think after a while, it's like I suppose they probably want to cover actual basketball and not just you know drama. Also, I just think it's got to be stressful. I mean, a lot of times the joke with Minnesota sports writers is that they always get scooped by national writers. Yes. It's like every big piece of news with a Minnesota sports team, it breaks from a national writer before a local writer. Yeah. And I think that's embarrassing. And mm-hmm. uh, it's just kind of like, well, you guys cover this team on a daily basis and you don't have better sources than Woj, you know? <laughs> and uh, I just think that that's got to be stressful for like Krasinski to be like, I've got to stay 24-7 on the story so that anything I can scoop. I know anything, any scoop that he gets is going to be, uh, you know, Woj is going to get it soon. And so if you get a scoop before Woj, yeah. there's got to be pressure to get it out now. Yeah, and the so, countdown is on. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it'll be nice. I think that this team will be slept on a little bit. All the attention, all the drama will be focused like a laser light on Philadelphia. Yeah, really quick, before we move on, I would like to see some sort of documentary on like the, like the, the sports insider community, like how that all works. And how there could be like, you know, rivalries and stuff. I find that stuff weirdly fascinating. It's always a mystery because they can't reveal too much or else they lose their sources. So there, yes. it's a very secretive world. Yeah. And yeah it there's, seems a, like there's a story to be like told there. Cutthroat, too, in a certain sense. I think, you know, maybe. Like you make enemies. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I mean, did you read Woj's piece about the Timberwolves after the trade Oof. happened? He hates Glenn Taylor. He hates yeah. the Wolves organization. Oh, he was the stuff he would write about Khan. Oh yeah, it was completely. It was not even close to being like uh, neutral. It was completely biased against David Khan. And- yeah, and I mean, obviously, Woj, you know, he writes more favorably about the people who give him so- scoops. 
Yeah. And the Wolves have been tight-lipped about this and to the point where Jimmy Butler got to kind of de- define the whole narrative because he was the one leaking stuff. Or like mm. the Miami Heat were leaking stuff. So that's why I was like, Thibodeau's asking for too much because the source is the Miami Heat, you know. And the yeah. Tim Rolls have been very tight-lipped about that, which is a cool thing to have for an organization, an organization that doesn't have leaks. But it can also be frustrating as a fan to hear the opposing side story get aired over and over again and you never hear anything. It's a but, conversation that I've heard people have is like, there's it's almost like 50 50 now there's the basketball and then there's the the rumor mill uh, and for a lot of fans they're more twitter all that kind a of, lot of fans are more interested about the nba gossip and the nba uh, the theater than they are about the sport of basketball yeah it's part of what's oddly it's part of what's made the sport grow Mm-hmm. is oh, yeah, all absolutely. the drama that and like the free agency and the like NBA like the talk of the NBA this week has been this whole like KD Draymond Green beef and yeah, it's just absolutely. like nothing it's why nothing NBA Twitter is the best Twitter you know yeah it is so yeah it, it, NBA it's is part a, of the it's a sport it's part it's of the product we love it's a, it's a league of personalities, you know? Yes, exactly. It's why, you know, you never feel as close. It's why football players and baseball players and hockey players aren't as famous because you you don't see them. They're wearing helmets and gear. And mm-hmm. the NBA players are basically out there in their PJs. And you get a real raw kind of, you know, closeness exactly, to these guys. Exactly right. You it's can't hide the, anything. It's the most player-driven of all of the all of the sports, it's the only sport where really, if you have the best player, uh, it can sway in the entire league. You know, yeah. like if you have the best player in baseball, you might not even make the playoffs. You know, that's yeah. baseball, and so it's exactly. like it, this NBA is like if you get LeBron, you're the favorite. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, so. LeBron took scrubs to deep playoff runs for yeah. for like a decade. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, you know, I'm sure he will continue to do that in the future. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, that brings us to Full Court Press. Here's the tip. We're going to start with talking about the Jimmy Butler trade some more. You know, Full Court Press might be a little shorter this week just because we've been kind of talking about some of the main topics. Gabbing. Yeah, gabbing. Uh, That's that's a real casual back and forth we have on here in the podcast, and that's why we got the good chemistry. (laughs) Um, Jimmy Butler trade. My question for you, Robert, where were you when you heard the news? Um, I was... I was actually at my parents' house, and my dad called me in. He was watching uh, like college football, like a pregame show or something like that. And this is one of the few times where usually it hits Twitter, then it hits like ESPN bottom line or whatever, mm-hmm. and then they break. Then they break it with you know uh, uh, ESPN breaking news. Yeah, absolutely. Wojnarowski. And he called me in and was like, "What do you think?" I was like, what do I think about what? Jimmy Butler's been traded. Your dad broke the news. My dad broke the news. Usually I'd been the one. I I felt sort of, uh, you know, because my dad's not on Twitter or anything. Yeah, like usually, that. So usually I, you know everything first by the yeah, time he Yeah, yeah, I felt like I was the, the inside guy sometimes because I followed the right Twitter accounts. And so the roles were reversed a little bit this time. And he was the one who was like, well, what do you think? And uh, I was like, well, who'd they trade him for? And, he, and I don't think that had been... I think just the headline was sure. Jimmy Butler, Butler traded to the Sixers. Sixers. So he's like, well, go do your research. And so I was like, okay, let's off <laughs> go to do Twitter. Your research. Go off to Twitter to find out the specifics of the deal. So this definitely is going to rank amongst the um, – because when Jimmy Butler was traded to the Wolves, I was actually with you. One of the happiest days of my Wolves fandom. 
Yes. Right those up there, moments I'll never forget. Absolutely. There's a bunch of like wolves moments that I'll never forget. Like I'll I'll always remember like trade moments or like transaction sure. moments. Like I'll remember where I was when KG was traded. Uh, I think we were together when we found out we got Darko. <laughs> yes. I think we were hanging yeah. out at a pool. That was like the first transaction after the after like the deadline had passed. Yeah. It was like that that set the tone for the Wolves like, okay, now that now that we could officially sign free agents, we're get we got our guy. We got Darko everyone. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. As if, you know, all these other teams are going to be bidding for him. But I even remember when Wally Zerbiak got traded wow. to the Celtics. I remember where I was for that. So, this is uh this is going to rank up there though. I uh, I was uh, sleeping over at uh, my wife and I crashed at my sister in law's place because we were there having fun the night before and we just decided to crash there in the spare mm-hmm. room uh, for the night and I woke up the next day and it was like one p.m. or so and I looked over at my phone and it said I had the notification Jimmy Butler's been traded and so wasn't able to roll over and fall back asleep after that one I'll tell you no no um how do you well we'll, we'll talk about the return in a few minutes. Mm. Here's my first thing that I thought about um, when I've been thinking about this trade from kind of the Wolves' point of view and the Sixers' point of view. And I feel like the Sixers fans must be feeling how we felt last year when we traded for Jimmy. Because there was a question Mm -hmm. of, you know, we think Jimmy's worth it. We're only giving up Zach and Chris in this pick. And we think that Jimmy's worth it because he's an all-star. And he's an all-NBA player. and But one thing Neil and I did talk about on the pod was how it changed our perspective about the future of this Wolves. It was no longer we have all these assets and young guys and they'll develop and we'll build our team as we go. It was, this is your team now. We're pretty much locked in because we also signed Jeff T. Taj. And it was like, this is That's your right. team now. You really don't have a lot of flexibility to have a different team. This will be your team for the next few years. And this is like your window, you know, and like maybe three or four years from now, you can reset and have another run. But this is your team. Mm-hmm. And being locked into a team just felt like it felt scary because, you know, when you when you have assets and the whole future in front of you, you can your imagination is the limit of what's going to happen. Exactly. But then when you see the, the X's and O's and be like, no, you wanted a team that'll get to the playoffs. This is what it is. This is, you know, you feel locked in. And I feel like that's what Philadelphia has to be feeling like. And whereas we feel like once again, I feel like the possibilities are endless with us now. Dario and Covington. Um, we'll talk about them a little bit, but they're both on contracts that we can move. You know, it's, we're not locked into these guys. We can move them very easily for other stuff. We can create cap space. We can, you know, sign people. We can, you know, we have options again. Mm-hmm. We're not locked into this team. Yeah, it's it's kind of the the bookmarks of this Jimmy Butler tenure in Minnesota. Um, you got you got out of having to pay Levine, you know, you know, twenty million or yeah. whatever. So you got out of that. And then now you're getting out of having to give Jimmy like the five year max or whatever, which I think I, I'm not sure who's going to give him that. I know. I, 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 mean, I, I don't know if Philadelphia is going to actually do that. They might give like a four plus one or a three plus one or something max, yeah. uh, but it's going to take another like pretty desperate team to come in and offer Jimmy uh, a five year max deal. And so now it's. There is a, a little bit more freedom that you have. I mean, you're you're stuck. You've got Wiggins and Towns right now, yeah. uh, but that third huge money guy—that's um, you don't really have that kind of albatross that's going to be on right. your uh, payroll now. That's so the thing there's about a little bit, uh, a little bit more freedom now. Paying three guys max money means you're basically filling out the rest of the roster with scrubs, you know? Yeah, and trying to find value where you can with a, mm-hmm. like a great draft pick like Okogie or something like that. But like. 
you know, having just two guys with the max money gives you a lot of room to fill out your roster with the more middle level role players like Sarich and Covington and what have you. Yeah. And Covington's on a great deal. Yeah. Sarich is. is like $3 million this year. So, yeah, I mean, you're going to have to make the decision on if you're going to pay him or not. But, but once again, I think that's you don't necessarily make that decision in a vacuum. You see what the restricted free agent because you could wait for another team to offer him money and, and match, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it'll be like, the summer he hits restricted free agency, what's the cap situation like? Has it risen a little bit? Uh, what's the situation around the league? Is everyone going to blow their load this offseason? You know, I think a lot of teams will. You know? it, is, so. it is weird with Philly that it, 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 this happens in the NBA where, like, if you're going to be a championship contender, you basically have to make every right move. Yep. You know, you can't mess up. Otherwise, you're playing from behind. And it feels like this is one of those moves where, okay, we – like you think of it uh i'm listening to some podcasts where they talk about being like a poker game and you lost a bunch of chips with markel faults because you had to use those assets to get him and now you're having to put even more in the middle of the table just to get back to where you were yep absolutely after having put in those assets and so yeah this is uh and even with even with jimmy on the team i'm I don't think anyone really thinks that they're the best team in the East. Oh I, no, and I think there's a couple teams that are still pretty clearly better yeah, there, than that. There's another move that needs to be made. They need some buyout guys, and I mean, I've been hearing t- people say now that you have Jimmy, you've given up on Fultz, so it's time to move Fultz. But I think right now, Fultz trade value might be negative. You yes. might have to attach to give something to him, yeah. with him. So and then you're crazy. even further in the hole, which means yeah, you've spent three first round draft picks on Fultz now. You know, yeah, jeez. So it's a it's a tough position to be in. It'll be interesting. The team they have today won't be the team they hit the playoffs with, but they don't have as much flexibility because they spent a lot of their assets. They didn't spend them all. They didn't have to give up a first round pick in this, so they still have that hanging around. But I'm not sure if Fultz is an asset at this point. You know, he might no. be a negative uh, no. value. But uh, it is going to be interesting to watch Philly. I mean, like you said, it's the new the new soap opera, General Soreness Hospital. That's right. Um, and speaking about the ceiling, I wanted to quote a piece from Paul Ibrahim. He wrote, synthesizing old and new and analysis of the Jimmy Butler trade for the hidden algorithm is the name of the blog. I'm just going to read two paragraphs. This is to say this is not a window-oriented move for the Sixers. They went all in, disregarding the timeline, potentially dooming Hinky's vision. Hinky afforded the Sixers two legitimate superstars, Simmons and Embiid, solid role players such as Sark, uh, Sharich, and Covington, mm-hmm. and a plethora of future high-value picks. Brian Colangelo already worked to soil the process by trading two likely top-five picks to take Markel Fultz, who at this point might peak as a bench piece. Rather than go with youth potential, the lawn window, modern Sixers management opted for the one-year window. Five years down the road, it is not improbable that Jimmy Butler will be the NBA's worst contract, hindering the prime of Simmons and Embiid and the Sixers' best shot at a title. The Sixers mortgaged a future for the present, typically a negative sum investment. And I was Mm -hmm. thinking, I think that's true in that, especially if they lock him up, then you could ruin Joel. Because the one thing is like, take a flyer this year, Jimmy walks. You you had a great shot when Joel and Ben were young, but kind of like Cat and Wiggins, I thought, well, if we trade for Jimmy and Jimmy walks and he doesn't resign with us, we can rebuild about around older Cat and Wiggins who will be like 25 and you can gear up for another right. run. But it's a great point that if Jimmy does resign, you are going to be locked into a contract that's going to be declining every year in value, you know, in, in what you're getting out of it. And you're going to it's going to hamstring potentially Joel and Ben's prime years. So it's a scary thing for a fan of that franchise. But at the same time, if I had a player with Joel Embiid's health, I might want to go all in when he's healthy. 
because there's no guarantee that mm-hmm. Joel's in the league in five years, you know, unfortunately yeah, with his true. injury history. So maybe it makes a little more sense for them to. I mean, you do have to take these big risks, though. You have to you, you have to pay guys a ton of money and just hope that they pan out if you're going to do if you're going to. It might be a minuscule chance, but, you know, at least it's a chance. Yeah. And I, I think Philly, there is a there is a possibility that this all could work out and they could just be monsters on defense and they can make it work offensively and find a way to get everyone touches. So, I mean, they're definitely making this is an opportunity for them potentially but it's a gamble yeah the the downside is huge with this though i agree um real quick before we move to our next topic uh a lot of people have been talking about this trade we didn't get enough back they think uh Mm. some some people call it 40 cents on the dollar or whatever (laughs) but i think it's it's really like what can you get and uh some of the other to factor in the circumstances yeah here's the thing is like we didn't take bad money back besides bayless but that's not that bad no, it might even be an asset. Yeah, because you know, he's an space. expiring contract. Whereas so. a lot of people said they would rather do the Josh Richardson thing or the four first round picks from Houston. Mm. But the thing is, they stop there. They don't say Josh Richardson, maybe a first round pick, and then Dion Waiters' terrible bad money for the next yeah. four years. No one says four first round. Everyone says four first rounders from Houston, but they don't mention that you'd have to take Brandon Knight's terrible contract back. You, it would cost you a first round pick to get rid of that contract. So at that point, you're only getting like three first round picks. And then those that last pick is going to be heavily protected, heavily protected, probably, you know. Yeah. So it's not four first rounders in a vacuum. You also have to take bad money back. And those the later picks might be very, you know, protected. Yeah. And everyone then, was talking about with these four picks that it's going to be like, you know, the dream scenario of like the Nets and the, the Celtics getting the Nets, you know, like five years or six years of picks or whatever. And they're all unprotected. Yeah. Daryl Moore is not going to do anything no, like it that. It wasn't. It had been that What do you deal? I, I almost wouldn't want to deal with a guy who has. Wins most of the deals. Wins most. Exactly. Don't, don't trade yeah. with someone smarter than you. Yeah, exactly. Especially when you're the Wolves, you know, a team that just historically has always been on the on the bad side of these deals. It's that hurts like, me in video games sometimes. People are like, he's mm. the best at this game. If he's offering me this deal, why? Exactly. Yeah. Or my fantasy yeah. baseball league, that hurts me too. I, I felt like this the deal that we took was kind of a good middle ground between, you know, between going all in for the future and basically just committing to a full, full rebuild, which is kind yeah. of the Rockets deal. And there was a also complete the win now move or which would have been, you know, Eric Gordon, PJ Tucker, Eric Gordon, PJ Tucker. Yeah. The Pelicans offered Nikola Miritich and a first for Jimmy as well. That really doesn't move the needle for me. Mm. This is the next Timber Bowl where I come down to. Yeah, exactly. It would have been a Timber Bowl. Excuse <laughs> Reunite me. Reunite them all. Um, <laughs> Get the band back together. Trade for Corver then. <laughs> Where's Bogans at? Yeah, get get Noah, Ronnie Brewer, <laughs> Ronnie Brewer, um, get Kirk Heinrich out of retirement. I think the outcome is this: is this the best trade outcome? Maybe, maybe not. Is this the most fun outcome? Yes. This team is more mm. fun because we got players who are around the right age, very good players, you know, starting caliber players, likable players, likable players too. So it's not like four first round picks might be the most valuable, but it's not fun. You know, it's not fun to have those and waiting no. for twenty twenty five. And, like, also, you know, Josh Richardson would be fun, but Deion Waiters on this team would be aggravating. He would be the least favorite player for the next couple years, you know. So regardless of whether this is the best value, it was the most fun. I agree with that, yeah. I I was not displeased when I heard about the initial deal. And now, you know, having seen the guys in person now and having, you know, a good few days to think about it it's you know i'm satisfied with the deal given the circumstances all right let's go to our next topic he's hitting 
up. All right, our next topic, new guys, new rotations. We said we'd talk about the players we got back. I'm a big fan of both Robert Covington and Saric. Mm-hmm. Uh, Covington was first team all defense last year on a great contract. Not quite as good as Josh Richardson's, but close. Like one of the best contracts in the NBA. Right. We've got him locked up for years, paying him like $10 million a year. And Saric, uh, Sharich, I'm going to get better at you that. You have to get used to it. Sharich. Yeah. He uh, is also a really promising young player. Almost won Rookie of the Year two years ago. Had a great season last year that was better than any season that I looked it up. Better than any season Levine or Dunn has ever had. You know, like his, his, his sophomore season was amazing last year. And uh, they're both like good energy guys. They, they're not divas. They're not like stars and they know it. And the way we watched them move the ball and take open shots and stuff, it was really positive. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it's just the they seem to know where to be on the floor. Uh, they, you can tell that they're you know professional NBA players, and that they they know the right spots to be in. They know the right things to say. They they take good shots. You know, it's not one of these situations where like how many times? I mean, we've seen it through, with Okogi so far. Sometimes this year, where he just takes shots, where you're just like, why would he do that? Or you know, Chris Dunn would do that. Would take shots. Even Wiggins at times. You know, he. You don't get that with Covington. You don't get that with Shards. They take good shots. They seem to know where to be on both sides of the floor, and uh, it's a it's you know it's refreshing in a certain way to have you know like professional basketball players come in. And, yeah, absolutely, and they, uh, do the right things. They know what to do, which is very fun. Um, the, my question is about the rotation. Someone's got to drop out now. You know, we have you know let's say starting right now i know sarge might come into the starting lineup but starting right now we got teague wiggins covington taj cat coming mm-hmm. off the bench we have tyus rose okogi anthony tolliver sarich gorgie that's too many you know so yep. one or two of those guys will have to sit and i think it's gonna be gorgie but we have to play gorgie well there's it's a weird balancing like last night him. was a good example where gorgie got minutes because anthony davis is tall Mm-hmm. And if we're playing a team that has a really big five, then you have to sub Gorgie in because he's got the height to play against those guys in a way that Taj and Tolliver and Sarge don't necessarily. But if it's anyone who's smaller than AD, if it's a kind of a small ball lineup coming off the bench, I feel like you don't play Gorgie then. And you have Taj play the, the small ball five. And maybe, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the rotations. What do you think? Uh, I think Gorgie's the odd man out with... Uh, with that rotation, at least I think he should be. Yeah, really. I could I could see it being Tyus though. Tyus has not played well, and you could have Rose be the bench no point Tibbs, guard. You know, yeah. the Tibbs factor. It could plays be Rose, Okogi, At, Saric, and Gorgie is your bench squad, and Tyus loses the minutes. Yeah, I mean, ideally, I think that the highest. I think really, if you think about it, I think having D Rose be your your bench, you know, instant offense, and actually moving, uh, moving Taj to the bench, yeah, uh, I agree. Probably makes the bo- the most sense because those guys can they've played together a lot, you know, they can feast on the on the second unit talent, and then you've got so much spacing on your starting five. Uh, you've got all five guys now who could shoot. Even and, your spacing for the bench squad is pretty good if Taj is your five and you've got A.T. and uh, Rose and Okogi and Tyus out there with him, you know. Just Gorgie just seems to – he can play well at times, but 
when he's not playing well, it seems like like when he was he had a I thought he had a terrible stint against the Pelicans against because Pelicans. He's, he's just got he's, he's a got foul it. machine. I think Jim Pete said it well. He's got it in his mind that he needs to take these jumpers to be good, and he doesn't. No. He's just he's a pretty good jump shooter, but he's taking bad shots just because he's like, oh, I can make this, and it, it's not good. As the season's gone on, he seems like he's. The NBA has passed him by a little bit. Gorgie's style of play, just sort yeah. of like mid-range jumpers and just sort of being solid. Being big. Yeah. Being big, yeah. It's, he seems a little antiquated at this point. So, you know, God bless him, though. He's a great guy. Great guy. Great what, guy. But, look at uh, this week's Wolfcast Digest. There's a great feature about him and what he yes. does with his money. I said, he's he's definitely overpaid, but at least we know he's doing good things with that money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a good guy. All right, let's go on to our, our last topic. It's a short one. He's on fire! Just two random observations that I couldn't fit anywhere else in the episode. Robert, uh, I just wanted to say we're very pro Ricky Rubio on this podcast. Yes. One of my favorite NBA players still. Uh, anyone who's listened to us for any no- amount of time know we're obsessed with Ricky. But it does make the Ricky trade go down a little bit easier now that we know that pick was used on Okogi, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And it's one of these, uh, I think it. Bo- you feel good for Ricky that he's in a better situation. And now that we've had a little bit of time to see the see kind of what we got from having to separate from him. Okogi's such a likable guy, wow. too. He, every game he plays, I like him more and more. Yeah. And he seems to be growing as a player for every game. Mm-hmm. His shooting looks way better than it did at the beginning of the season already. Absolutely. Know? Yeah, he's not hesitating. Love his energy. You just want to see some of those, you know, off-the-dribble decisions. Uh, you want to clean that up a little bit. But whatever, he's like a... He, he's like 19 he, or 20. He's yeah, still young. Yeah, exactly. There's, he's like a better be version encouraged. of Chris Dunn, you know? He's like yeah. a Chris Dunn who can score. Chris, and, and it's like yeah. five years younger than when we drafted <laughs> Chris, Chris Dunn. Dunn. 2.0. Yeah, Chris Dunn was 23 when he was a rookie, and Okogi's like 19 or 20. Um, final question. It's not inconceivable. Tell me if I'm crazy. Is it crazy to think that with how popular Derrick Rose is among the league, that he could be voted into the All-Star game? No. I mean, especially like the China factor too, because he's huge. It's like in how China. Kobe would always get voted in because he's so popular. And Yao, Yao would be injured, and he would be the number one vote getter. Yeah, and we saw Zaza almost get in on votes alone. <laughs> and so I think that Derrick Rose is so popular. There's a chance he could be an All Star this year. He could be make the starting five just from popular vote. I think it's. I mean, I, th- I definitely think he's going to be the number one Timberwolf to get votes. Yeah, absolutely. He'll get the most votes for running Timberwolf. I can already see the campaign and social media will be running. A vote Rose, vote Rose, you know? Yeah, it's, it is weird to think about that. It it could happen. It could it, happen. It very well could happen. It would be crazy to see. And it, would be, <laughs> and it goes along with like this kind of the reclamation project that a lot of a lot of NBA people have gotten behind the, like the the renaissance of D Rose. Yeah. You know, there's I mean there's a there's shooting, a story to be told there. If he keeps shooting the ball like he's been shooting it so far this season, he'll have a strong case. All right. <laughs> he'll totally not belong on crazy. an all star team. Crazy, because, crazy, crazy that, times. Like he got on but like Damian Lillard got yeah, left somebody, off or yeah, something. Oh like Dame that. Dame gets ignored <laughs> every year. Poor Dame. He never gets the respect uh, for that. It, and yeah, that's just what will happen is a Rose will get voted in and Dame will be left off <laughs> and like better players like drew holiday won't get sniff yes all right well we gotta pay some bills everybody time to read our sponsor for the week do you suffer from stress about making the eastern conference finals is anxiety over your most recent number one draft pick keeping you up at night ask your doctor if jimmy is right for you jimmy is a mood enhancing medication for anybody with chronic win nowitis taking jimmy may be harmful for younger patients or team presidents If you experience allergic reactions around assholes and jerks, 
Jimmy might not be right for you. Side effects may include hero ball, inflated ego, and the inability to pass the ball in the fourth quarter. In some cases, taking Jimmy can result in career termination or aid in the development of stage four locker room cancer. Call your doctor if your depression worsens or if you have unusual changes in behavior or thoughts of suicide. Talk to your doctor or team owner about if Jimmy is right for you. It is time for Power Rankings. We got some rankings that we're going to fly through because we went long on the first half. I don't want to talk about I don't want him to be angry here with me. He's the time sticker. He's the Jimmy Butler of this podcast. He is the Jimmy Butler of this podcast. What can we trade him for? Uh, Just some good role players, hopefully. All right. We got our top eight memories of the Jimmy Butler era. Why don't you kick us off, Rob, with number eight? Number eight. uh, The home opener, Jimmy's first game at Target Center, antagonizing Ricky Rubio. Who is making his his return? They Second get into a little season. dust up. You know, he kind of faces up Ricky a little bit. Ricky flops a little bit. Ricky flops a little bit, as he's known to do. And then uh, Jimmy. And then shouts, Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy. Uh, shut the f up. Yeah, and then he kind of gets the crowd going a little bit. It was really weird because you wanted to cheer Ricky so bad. It's not like he was, you know, a malcontent or anything. Yeah, face of the and franchise the, for and years. And now the new guy who's going to be like your savior. Game is, two of his career with you. Yeah, he's trying to get you against your, you know, the the unicorn that was one of the most beloved Minnesota Timberwolves it was of all time. A, it, was it was definitely a it welcome to Minnesota moment for him. Yes, it yeah. was. And then he kept him away from the locker room afterwards. And then uh, and then he got too scared to face Ricky this year and sat that game out by his own choice. That's, I see. That's right. I see how it works, you coward. Number <laughs> seven, the infamous practice, you can't win without me. When stories get told about this era, this will be one of the main stories. This will be one of the most infamous moments in franchise history. We'll always talk about that practice. The where, legend. Where Jimmy, a tour de force performance, according to Woj, Jimmy's back. <laughs> Jimmy's back force. is a joke. Tour de force is a joke we'll use for a long time on this podcast. Yes. Jimmy came in, allegedly beat the first string with the third string guys, yelled at uh, Lid and you can't win without me, yelled at a uh, athletic director or something to go get him a salad, balsamic <laughs> vinegar. <laughs> Just being a jerk. And then had Rachel Nichols already in town to do an ESPN yep, interview all lined up. right after that. Uh, you'll never forget that moment. Never. Number six. Trey Jones is my man. Jimmy's post-game interviews were so fun in the locker room. Most of the time he was just needling guys, being antagonistic, and kind of seeing how far he could push the buttons with the guys around him, saying stuff that he didn't believe. He'd often praise Tyus Jones and Trey Jones because those are his guys. Yeah. And there's just so many fun sound clips. It's like you don't normally get that. It's usually like, oh, I'm talking about the game. And Jimmy wasn't, Both he didn't care about the game. Hard. He was just caring about pushing buttons. And uh, that was always really fun. Yeah. Number five. The what the F was that gif. Yeah. Jimmy's face saying, what the was that? You know, we've all seen the gif. Say they can't duck with me or they can't pluck with me or can't fuck with me. Okay. <laughs> Which was a great moment as well when he, he hit that shot. It was Uncensored. You can't F with me. You can't yeah. F with me. Yelling it. Yeah. So good. It's pretty awesome. All right. Number four, the All-Star game. And, you know, maybe Jimmy didn't play, and so it wasn't that big of a deal. But having two All-Stars after having none for so many years 
It was very cool. It was awesome to see Tyus, I mean, Towns playing the game. And it was kind of funny. Like, that's just Jimmy being Jimmy, him like showing that's up right. to an all-star game and not playing. <laughs> it's that it's that personality where he showed up to the Super Bowl to play dominoes, not watch the game. You know, yeah, exactly. It's that kind of that's Jimmy G- being Jimmy. And of course, he tore his knee in the next game. So, yeah, uh, one of a kind. Sad. All right. Number three. Number three. The intro press conference where he gave out his cell phone number. Iconic. This, awesome. That's when we're like, we have a baller on this team. I was so excited because I'm like, this is a guy with a take no sh- attitude. This you know? is like the alpha male. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I was so enamored by that. I, I was like, we've got a personality on this team. This yeah. is going to be really, really I think fun. there was a... Uh there was video after that of like him on the plane or whatever checking his yeah, phone. Yeah, no, he's like just, FaceTiming people who had called yeah, him yeah. and stuff. Yeah, that was uh, that was awesome. I got to give him that. I was so excited. Uh, number two, I'm glad I got to talk about this one. The five game home stretch in January. We had a five game home stretch where we went five and zero and convinc- convincingly beat the Cavs, Pelicans, Thunder, Blazers, and the Knicks. So four really good teams there, and I just remember we handled the Cavs. That was the game where LeBron mm, yeah. scored ten points and we blew them out. Thunder were really going well, and we shut them down. It was just like, uh, this was like the, the moment where I was like, is this what it's like to be a fan of a good team? Like, like a five-game home stretch where we just handled business? Yeah, is this going to be like, are we going to make the West Finals? You know? Yeah, it was just like, this must, be what it, this must be what it feels like to cheer for an awesome team. And at that time, we were around the third seed in the West, and it was just like, we're really good. And it was such a foreign feeling to me. It was just mm. like, this must be how normal people feel cheering for teams. Yeah. What a warm memory that will always be for me. Yes. We'll hold that close in our hearts. Number one, game 82. Oh, yeah. Wow. What a what a night. Jimmy had come back just recently from his knee injury, came back a little early. Make mm-hmm. sure we finish the season strong because we needed to win. Game 82 is a win or go home. Something yes. that hasn't happened. I think it's only happened four times in NBA history where the two teams met. You know, there's been situations where, like, if the Timberwolves win this game, the the Thunder will, you know, be knocked out. But you're oh, not yeah. playing the Thunder, you know, head to head. This was a game against the two teams. Whatever won this game would go to the playoffs. Whoever else, whoever lost, would not go. Basically, a playoff game. Basically, a, play a playoff game. game. Yeah, a play-in game. And and just the whole NBA was paying attention. Everyone on Twitter was watching that game, and it was such a competitive, fun game. And then we made the playoffs. I'll always remember clinched on the on the screen, Cat and Jimmy hugging each other back when times were good. And then going <laughs> to the playoffs. I went to two playoff games last year, Robert. That's... I went to two Timberwolves playoff games last year, and we won one of them. That's it, it's something that through all this drama about Jimmy, you know, I think it's worth it just because of that. Just yeah. making the playoffs after such a long drought and that game eighty two, you know. That's something that's something you can always hold on to. The last season was the oasis that allows you to travel through the desert, you know? Yes. We were about to we were about to die of thirst in the desert and we had last season and it was so refreshing. Good team, won lots of games, made the playoffs, won a playoff game against the number 1 seed. It was it's something that I mean, I've seen people say now like I wouldn't do it again. I would do it again 10 times out of 10. No yes. doubt in my mind, especially because I think I think Dario and Covington are better than Levine and Dunn. So that's part of it. Yeah, that, especially for the money when you factor that in. So Yeah, but like just even in a vacuum, Jimmy Butler was worth it, it because of this fantastic voyage that he put us on. Yes, fantastic voyage. Just full circle. All right. Well, those are our favorite memories of the Jimmy Butler era. Let me know if you remember something else fondly. It would be awesome for you to let us know at WolvesCast on Twitter or comment if you're reading this on Canis Hoopus and you're streaming it there, comment in the comments. Let us know. Um, let's go ahead and do this week's Weekly Wolfies. 
presenting your weekly Wolfie. All right, Wolfies. That's right. They're awards. They can be good. They can be bad. Uh, but they are also, they're always weekly. So I'm going to hop right in. I've got a bad Wolfie. I've been doing good Wolfies lately. Mm. I'm going to pull a Neil and award a negative one. <laughs> Carl uh, Anthony Towns, uh, and I want to say here, I was impressed by Carl Anthony Towns, how he handled himself during the Jimmy Butler stuff. He's quiet. He wasn't leaking stuff to the media. You didn't hear stuff from Carl's brother or whatever, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you, weren't, you weren't hearing stuff from Carl's camp, and he was nothing but polite in interviews and wished Jimmy the best, and it was a really mature for a 20, 23-year-old today, actually. Happy birthday, Carl Anthony Towns. That's right. Uh, we were recording on Cat's birthday. And uh, so just maturity beyond his years to just keep it to himself and, you know, say, good luck in the future, Jimmy, you know? And I will. I have to give him that credit because he said something dumb this week. One of we've talked about Jimmy Butler being a teacher's pet, always just trying to give the best quote, you know, regardless of he never says what he thinks. He just says what he thinks the media wants to hear and what's going to make a good quote. And boy, did he do that this week Uh, when asked if he was going to become the team's leader. Now that Butler is gone, he said, first of all, I'm not one of the most important players on the team. He said, I'm just a piece on the team. Everyone is just as important as the next. So if everyone's doing their job and everyone is working hard doing the little things, we make a great product. One. Welcome to capitalism, where we refer to ourselves as products. <laughs> We're a great product. You should love us, you know, capitalism and infecting everything. But also, I know that's the nice, like, Jimmy was the diva. I'm trying to be the anti-diva. It's not about me. It's about all of us. It's about right. the guys. Let's all pull the rope. And it's just like, shut up with these little teacher pet an- answers, cat. Say you're the leader because you are the leader at this point. You're making the most money. Drew's making the most money. That makes you the leaders. And that's why Jimmy wasn't happy being the leader here was he wasn't making the most money. Usually the hierarchy in the clubhouse is determined by salaries in a lot of ways. You are. It's time for you to be the leader. Everyone else on the team is saying you're the leader. So let's not deflect it. It's making you look weak and it's making you look soft the way Jimmy always tried to make you look. Stand up and embrace it. Say, I am the leader and I'm going to lead this team just like he did and just like Andrew did last night. Don't try and run and hide from it. Just accept Accept it, say it, and be bold. It's time to start speaking your mind, Cat. I tend to agree with you. Um, my weekly wolf is a little bit of good, a little bit of bad. I'm giving my weekly wolfie to Glenn Taylor. And the bad should be pretty obvious that mm-hmm. he's oftentimes been seemingly oblivious to all the drama that's been going on and is, again, like I said, just glacially slow to make changes. Um, but I will give him one thing. He does give interviews. Yep. And that's true. You know, the interviews are always fun with Glenn because he always – the way he talks is just such like an old Midwestern Republican guy. Like yeah. he calls like the coach and he calls guys like fellows and stuff like that. And, and it, very rarely does he actually, you know, give interviews that actually have any real substance. They're not seals. insightful. but No, but – He's available. He's available and like he'll – He'll be on Doogie's podcast, and he'll do that, and he'll talk to Krasinski, and he'll he'll do that. And I don't know how many owners out there in the NBA actually do that sort of stuff. So I'll give him that that he does he's he doesn't you know shrink away from those sorts of things. He gave interviews during this whole saga, and now for better or for worse, I do admire that he's you know not afraid to you know be out there a little bit when a lot of other owners would you know just be in the background yep and just because they don't have to a lot of owners are the silent owners yes that's exactly right so for better or for worse you know weekly wolfly to uh mr glenn taylor well, it's about time glenn got a hold a trophy 
I mean, besides all be, those awesome Lynx championship trophies, that's he gets exactly all right. Time. Might be the only Wolves-related trophy he ever gets. That's right. All right, everybody, we got a game. We're going to hit it fast so Neil can be happy. I have seven questions for you, Robert, about the new Timberwolves players. So three new members of the team, Rob Cove, Rocco, the Rocco. homie, CC. Uh, what was the other nicknames he had? Uh, oh, uh, Megalodon. And Super Dario. Lots Super of nicknames Dario. for Dario. Uh, I was trying to think of something for, like, Roko's modern life. Mm. Some way to... We're going to make that work. We're going to yeah. talk after the pod. I'm Put gonna that photo- I'm going to pho- Photoshop that here in the coming <laughs> days. Um, and Jared Bayless. So yes. these questions are about our three new Timberwolves. All right. All right. Robert, one of these play- three players is much better than the others at golf. My question is, of our three new players, who has hit two hole-in-ones in his life? Ooh. Um, I'm going to say that is Rocco. Mm. Oh. Nope. It is Jared Bayless. Oh, is it? Jared he Bayless. went to Arizona, so yeah, he should... Arizona, yeah. Rocco, you know, grew up in the Chicago neighborhoods, probably didn't get a lot of time for golf. Yeah, maybe. Uh, right. So that's Bayless. Has hit two hole-in-ones. All right, next up, Rocco played college ball for four years at Tennessee State. That's right. So if I asked you from, you would say Tennessee State. The question is, what is Tennessee State's mascot? Ooh, gosh. The Tennessee State what? Uh, God, Jim Pete did this. Uh, he did, like, the top five Tennessee State players. I'm not... I'm just going to take a swing at it. Is it the, the Cavaliers or something? I know that's wrong. No. Uh, you have a lot of uh, clothing that has this team mascot on it. A lot of Tigers? It's the Tigers. The Tennessee (laughs) State Tigers, everyone. All right. Uh, Go Tigers We're from Farmington. Farmington Tigers for life. Oh, yeah. All right. Of the three players, Bayless, Rocco, and Dario, who is drafted the highest in terms of who is drafted closest to number one, I should say? Uh, I want to say it's Sharich, right? Uh, Oh, It's kind of a trick question. Bayless was the 11th pick in 2008. Dario was the twelfth pick in oh, 2014. Very, he was very close. Than that. Okay. And of course, Robert Covington undrafted. Ah, jeez, I'm whiffing. All right. Next question. Listen carefully to the setup on this one. Yes. Including G League and European teams, which player has played for the most professional teams? Great question. I'm gonna guess that's uh, Rocco. Jeez. Rocco has played Man. for the least. <laughs> Bayless has played for eight professional teams. The Trailblazers, the New Orleans Hornets. New Orleans wow. Hornets. The Raptors, the Grizz, the Celtics, the Bucks, oh. the 76ers, and the Wolves. Jeez, I'd forgotten how well-traveled he was. Very well-traveled. Sarge has played for seven teams. Like six European teams, the Sixers, and the Wolves. Jeez. Covington has played for the Rockets, the Red Valley Vipers, uh, the 76ers and I love Wolf. the G League teams. Yeah, I love the, yeah, I love the G League teams too. They're awesome. So yeah, that's Bayless with eight, Sarge with seven. Man, I gotta get one of these. Alright, we got three more for you to get. Alright. Who was cut from his grade school basketball team three times? Three times. Uh, Rocco. I, that's right. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. I identify with this. I was the only fifth grader on the fourth grade team in grade school. Oh. And I was coming off the bench. I wasn't even a starter. <laughs> <laughs> I was bad. Um, so I identify with, uh, with that. Well, you, you showed them all, though. He's over, overcoming the odds since his entire life. Yes. All right. Two more questions. Dario Sar- Dario Saric. Yes. Saric. I'm going to get that right. Is the third Croatian player to play for the Wolves. Can you name one of the other two Croatian players to play for the Wolves? Mm, Croatian? Yeah. Um, Each of them played exactly 33 games with the Wolves. Igor Rukosevic? 
No? I'll, let you, I'll give you two more guesses. Um, gosh, this is going to be very difficult. One was in the 2015-16 season. One was in the 96-97 season. Um, I, I'm imagining the one guy that came in. He was, like, super burly. Uh, gosh, I don't know. Just just, just tell me. Let's not belabor this. We have Damo Radesh. Damon Rudesh. He played 33 yeah. games in 15-16. Then we oh, have Rudez, yeah. Rudez, yeah. Rudesh is how it's pronounced, but yeah, it looks like Dom, Dom John Rudez. Yeah, I remember Dom Rudesh. <laughs> yeah. And then we have Stoiko Vrankovic, who played 33 games in the 90s. Oh, man. Tough question. We'll go out with a. Well, it's kind of up in the air. Last question Who has scored the most points in a single game? Dario, Bayless, or Rocco? Who has the highest single game? Uh, I'm going to guess. Because he's been in the league. Bayless. Uh, but this is almost a trick question. Dario has scored 32 points in a game. Bayless and Rocco are both tied with 31 points as their career really? high. So only wow. one point separated. There's a lot of fun stuff. I looked at all their career highs. Like They're all very similar in career highs in very weird ways, yeah. actually. So that was a fun question. Well, wow. Hopefully you better know the new school Timberwolves a little I bit. Better, I better study up because obviously I'm... I'm not really very knowledgeable about any of these guys, and I pride myself on being knowledgeable about Timberwolves, so well, this is a wake-up call you, for me. You probably did better than Neil would have. <laughs> he would have gotten all of them wrong? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. We'll say that because he's not here to defend himself. That's right. All right, everybody, that does it for us this week. Thanks for sticking around for the extra few minutes. I hope you enjoyed your bonus content of Wolves Cast this week. It's an important episode. It is an important episode. We had a lot to talk about this week. And you know what? Let's not let it be a, a one-on-one conversation. I want to hear what you guys think. Let us know in the comments. Uh, check out Canis Hoopus. We have this post uh, every week. We also have the digest. Uh, it's the biggest digest I've ever done this week. It's a whole lot to digest. That's saying something. It is packed. It is so much stuff in there. So please check out the digest this week um, and everything else going on on Canis. There's lots of fun stuff going on. New writer Jennifer Universe. She had her first article uh, kind of reviewing the year with Jimmy. Check that out. Um, and I loved uh, John Mayer, who Meyer, who's been on this podcast at the Daily Wolf. He had an article called "Like Trade Revitalizes Local Blogger." That's really yeah, good. Yeah, I love that one. So uh, check that out. Go to our store, wolfscast.com. Check out store, buy stuff. Jimmy Jam is the promo code for the new shirt. Check out Kings of the North podcast, everybody. It's a lot of fun. I don't like football. I especially don't like NFL football. And I listen to it every week. It's one of my favorite podcasts. So you don't even have to like football to listen to it. Um, Anything else I'm forgetting to shout out, Robert? Just God bless uh, this podcast for getting through the get through the tough times I, and i'm honored that i was on to talk about the jimmy butler trade that was uh, something i had my fingers crossed for doing so 40 years from now there's gonna be a timberwolves fan who wants to hear what our take was on this day yes. and you immortalized will be that's right well <laughs> i thank you again robert with an h for being here thank you scott don't call him rob or cove he goes by robert <laughs> uh everybody take care of yourselves take care of everyone else and good uh, i'm looking forward to another fun week of timberwolves basketball with you come to darby's we are running out of time. Darby's is going away for trivia. We need more numbers. Draw a basketball hoop up next by your team name. Darby's Pub and Grill, Tuesdays at 6 p.m. That's trivia with me. Hey, everybody. That was my last plug. Take care. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your loved ones. Take care of your enemies because they probably need some love, too. Peace. Andrew says take that, Jimmy Butler.